0: Have you ever wondered what it's like to sit in on a magazine editorial meeting? Well, this is your chance. You're listening to Salt Lake Speaks, a monthly podcast where our editors, writers, and staff dig deeper into stories, chat with newsmakers, and talk amongst ourselves about arts, culture, food, music, politics, or whatever else might strike our fancy. After all, we are Utah's biggest fans. Hi, you guys are listening to Salt Lake Speak, Salt Lake Magazine's podcast. You can find us at saltlakemagazine.com podcast. I'm Andrea Peterson, and today I'm sitting with Cynthia Fleming, the executive director of Salt Lake Acting Company, and we're going to be discussing arts and politics. And just before we start, I want to give full disclosure. I act in the community in Salt Lake City and have acted at Salt Lake acting company in a previous production. Um, so Cynthia and I do go back a little bit. Just wanted to let you know. Cynthia, thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, you are so very welcome. It's so great to see you again.
0: And today we're going to be discussing arts and politics. Um, it seems a lot of noise is being made, not only in politics, but politics in the arts. And just to let you guys out there know, the most recent thing that has happened was Public Theater's company uh, was doing Shakespeare in the Park in New York, and they were putting on a production of Julius Caesar and there became some protest because the main character, Julius Caesar, resembles Donald Trump. And there was a lot of demonstrations outside the theaters and um, a couple of their major support, their sponsors, corporate sponsors, Delta Airlines and Bank of America, pulled out. The theater company came back and said, you know, this is what happens. Julius Caesars is always performed and produced similar to what is going on in the state of America or any other country. In fact, there was a production at the Guthrie Theater in 2012, and Julius Caesar resembled Obama. And so it's kind of been one of those things that they're trying to, their best to make Shakespeare accessible and what is going on right now, but it seems to be putting a lot of tension in. So Cynthia's joined us, and we're gonna kind of talk about that. So Cynthia, what are your initial thoughts of, you know, what is going on right now in theater?
1: Well, it certainly has changed since the Trump administration, and uh, to note of the uh, Guthrie Theater presenting a black Julius Caesar, Delta Airlines funded that as well and did not pull out, and Delta did pull out of of supporting the uh, public Shakespeare's version. It's interesting, political theater has always been around, always um, reflecting who we are, um, and the underserved voice gets to be heard. It's interesting how since the administration, political theater is becoming (laughs) politicized. (laughs) I don't know, politicized. (laughs) So it's becoming part of politics. You know, it's being used and being manipulated as a political f- platform instead of being um, used as awareness, conversation, enlightenment.
0: Well, it seems like if you look back in history, like po- arts has actually been a great place for politics, whether you're a painter or a dancer or theater or writing, it's a great place to explore and present ideas out there that people can converse about and can talk about. Um, and, you know, it's bringing a bunch of, you know, an audience to stage who have different views and can discuss. um, But it always seems that it's okay as long as it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. But if there's a theater production, a painting, music at any point, then it seems controversial if it's in the now.
1: Yes, and that has to do since the election happened. Prior to the election, I guess, I didn't even hear about the Black Julius Caesar. I never even knew that existed. And there's a whole, notion of freedom of speech. And um, I have a beautiful story about the freedom of speech. We did a panel discussion during Harbor Gate, a play by Kathleen Cahill that we produced um, in February. And it was a panel filled with veterans. One of the audience members asked, how do you feel about when somebody burns the American flag? Two veterans answered this in a very similar way, and I'm paraphrasing. They said, what we do is we fight for your right of the freedom of speech. Burning the flag might not be something we, pers- I personally approve of, but I am fighting for your right to use your freedom of speech however you'd like. That was just, uh, my, I think I went, oh, you know, was, I was awestruck by that comment. Mm. And I wish we could go back there, but it's going to be a while until yeah. we get, that. it feels like the, a truth is, certain group of people own the truth and if you <laughs> say anything against that truth then you are wrong yeah. and that is what we're fighting against. Our whole democracy is really teetering right now and the arts are speaking
0: up. Well it's interesting because I actually also read an article that was published in The Atlantic recently and uh, Diane Paulus, uh, she's the artistic director of the American Repertory Theater at Harvard University and it was discussing on where does audiences What's their role in theater, basically? And she was saying that, um, and this is a quote from the article, but um, theater has always been viewed as inherently political. And that theater is a place that you can share space, time, and life with people whose feelings and circumstances are different from our own. And so it's interesting that this gives an outlet for people to talk, to tell a story, to discuss. And it made me think, though, is that different for other mediums? You know, like TV, film, music, stage, you know, what do you think? Do diff- does different mediums of art allow for different types of political discussion, pot- potentially?
1: Well, I think um, each type of art could go as far and as deep as they are able. I, I'm not um, an expert on all the art forms, but I do know with television, there was great censorship, uh, and still is, and um, and yet because of Netflix and cable, and we've been able to get beyond that. And so television has really been able to go far. Um, Laugh-In and The Smothers Brothers, and all of those TV shows that were like a variety show type thing were so incredibly political. And when I look back at that and that time, I, I wonder how they got, how it got through. Well, I
0: think I actually was watching a CBS Sunday morning episode and they were talking about the Smothers Brothers and they did they talked about how like they would come in and they'd have these things that they wanted to talk about and the network just constantly just wanted to push back and you can't do that and you can't do that and then finally the brothers were like well then we're out like if we can't vocalize what needs to be said or be said we can't do it.
1: Well what's also interesting about all of this is um, and what other theaters are going through is like Saturday's Voyeur has been doing this for 39 years. I mean, we're 46 um, years old and seasons of new work, I mean, even uh, putting on plays, uh, they put on hair when hair was still on Broadway. And, um, And but Saturday's Voyeur definitely has pushed the envelope and constantly screaming loudly and proudly. And so Slack has always been this place which allows for other voices to be heard. And um, the Ghostlight Project, you probably remember, came about in February of this uh, past year from the Trump administration. So theater companies can take a stand and proclaim that we are a safe place. Um, for voices, and when I first heard that, I would like—that's what Salt Lake Acting Company has always been and um, but of course I was proud to be a part of it and we announced it at the host speech at during Harborgate about being a part of the Ghostlight Project. And if you'd like to put a plaque there was these beautiful uh, plaques that said I am like I am Cynthia and I am a woman I am I am you know a lesbian or I am what whoever you want to represent and to invite people and our director was from New York and she said I can't believe you you can can announce that." And I said, what? I said, I can't believe a lot of theaters in New York are afraid of losing funding because if they went that direction. And I had to I didn't know what to say because, you know, I grew up at Salt Lake Acting Company and it's kind of been their being authentic voice has just been a way of life that not realizing there are theaters out there that are afraid to produce, to, to do what um, Oscar Eustace did, and to, to be able to stand up and say, fine, you know, I thank these supporters. And that's what Salt Lake Acting Company does. We love your support. Um, if we're not for you, then that's fine. We'll go, there's there's money out there and a lot of support and, out and there. And I think
0: that's a thing that a lot of people forget, that there is a ton of art out there. So if you don't like the art that you're seeing, you have the option to see other art. Yeah. Um, and that's a great thing. And I, I want to come back to Saturday's Voyeur, but just real quick, I had one last question regarding uh, the Julius Caesar, because it it followed pretty quickly and concession after Kathy Griffin had her stunt. Um, and do you think that it's the same or different, or do you think there is a line for how what you can politically say or not say or contribute to discussion?
1: Yes, I don't have a concrete um, answer to this. Um, I'm not a fan of Kathy Griffin but i felt bad that she got fired and that she had to publicly i mean apologize yes if you hurt but i i kind of felt bad by that i um didn't see see it i just heard about what she what she did um
0: so do you think there is or there might be a line of like how things well, are talked her- about well what hurts
1: what's scary to me are these speeches that incite violence or um, threats of violence that was put against Hillary Clinton. Lock her up. I was so afraid that if she did get elected, she would have been assassinated. That's what I was afraid of, That that the Trump supporters are so worked up by these moments of speech, these speeches that incite so much violence. Um,
0: So maybe that was, I wonder if that's where like some people are coming is that maybe with her image although she was expressing herself she's expressing maybe a violent or hate crime-esque sort of piece of art and I think what we've been talking about a little bit is that art is to incite discussion. Yes. Not to incite hate or violence or aggression.
1: And I guess if I didn't see what she said that's the whole thing I didn't see what she said with that so there could have been so I think the difference between speeches um, and plays. Plays are written usually in an open-ended way that you can make your own decision about it. A lot of times a are really good plays, you really don't know how the playwright feels. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't like it when it, it takes people that they're going to immediately, and I know that's what… Uh, the Trump family was saying about um, Julius Caesar and all of that, and even with Kathy Griffith. Well, yeah, I mean, for instance, a lot of this would have been nipped in the bud during the the debates when Trump was allowed to name call instead of, say, Senator Cruz. Senator Rubio, you cannot call them other than that. I mean, so there's this thing that has escalated into this behavior that is definitely out of control. So
0: it's 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 just kind of infiltrating into the arts, and you're seeing you know different stories and messages between which makes me wonder because we are starting to see more political dramas on television, more political plays. I mean, uh, George Orwell's 1984 is now on Broadway, and it's it's about a man creating fake news and But then to play devil's advocate, I know that we're in a heated political climate, but I kind of wonder, are some people tired of being preached at? And and maybe is it they want to be more entertained and less politicized?
1: Right. There's, yes, I'm sure there's some... um people that have had enough. I mean there was a times when I had to go off of social media, completely dot turn on CNN and you kind of just need to like cleanse yourself and kind of uh, find out um, who you are again. And um, but like we said, there are so many things out there that you could choose. There's also people that do need a very cathartic, uh, experience and to be able to laugh at it. I know that I have Stephen Colbert every night has been like, okay, 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 that I can be able to laugh at, at the things that uh, go on or, or make sense of it. No, that makes sense. And actually,
0: so that kind of brings us to Saturday's Warrior. And I kind of, just for our listeners out there who may not have heard of it or not sure what of it, tell us a little bit about what it was, where it started. Um, yeah. So
1: Saturday's Warrior started in 1978 and it was inspired by the Mormon film Saturday's Warrior that came out at the same time. And I guess they a couple years ago they made another version um, of it. And so it It satirized our uh, life in Utah and growing up Mormon, basically. And at that time, did not know how it would be received if one person would come or if, you know, uh, hundreds would come, but the doors. Just people kept coming and coming, coming. And some people were upset. I think Nancy got death threats um, by it. But there was also a group of people that were a very hurt place in the church that found it very cathartic and very loving, and they would be bawling and a good cry. Um, then it went into a more of a political type thing around 1996, where it started with Enid Green, who's a congresswoman, and her husband, Joe Waldholz, and our fat man of the ARPA. And then after that, it kind of went what was more happening in, um, politically. And then if the Mormon Church comes back into view, which it did with Joseph Smith and all, all of the, the internet has exposed a lot of truths, and they go, oh, no, that didn't happen. It was a windy day. Then it came back. And so this year, of course, it is more uh, national with some local, a lot of local references, but uh, Representative Jason Chaffetz is in it, Orrin Hatch is in it. Um, and um, Al and Nancy did a beautiful job this year because every, usually they can decide what will hold for three months, but because every day things happen and our whole life changes in one day that, um, it was really hard for them to write, but it's in three acts, and the first act is the day after the election, then the day after inauguration, and then um, 99 days in, and so it was pretty safe to show that. And for the first time, I am represented, and I could say we, um, that the Pussy Hat Marchers are in Boyer, so. And it's exactly what our audience needs. People have been saying, I can't wait for Saturday's Voyeur. I can't wait for Saturday's Voyeur because of this. So people do, and our audience, our Slack audience are just incredible. And they, they've that they been yearning to gather again and to laugh at what's going on. And they wrote the play for that, and I'm really happy.
0: And I've, I've seen Saturday's Voyeur a couple times. And it is, it's definitely one of those things that you look forward to in the summer, and you kind of, what is? The thing that the writers are going to talk about and discuss, yes. but I do have a question though about this. Sometimes it's where's the line of satire versus bullying? I think you know Colbert brought this up a little bit that like sometimes it feels that way, and you know you think about are there certain groups or religions that you wouldn't be able to do? Like you know say if you did a could non-Jews do a cabaret show on Jewish culture, or is that considered anti-Semitic? You know or stuff like that. So like where. Where do you see as an artist that, I mean, cause it's a line that can be difficult to walk.
1: Yeah, and it's a, it's, it's a big question in um, satire and some things were brought up in the script foyer, that we all like, whoa, you know? And we, so we had a really big discussion about the, a beautiful thing in the last couple of years of theater about diversity and inclusion and who has the right to tell the story and who has the right to write it even, and which Salt Lake Acting Company pays a lot of attention to. And so it, that has changed the way we cast plays, the way we read plays, and it started for us in tribes with having, making sure that we had a deaf actor to tell the story of Billy. Our deaf community wouldn't help us with it. They went like, this needed to be a deaf actor. And so that's where it opened our eyes. In satire, it is really, really a shaky line. And I don't have a definite, I'm still exploring it right now. I do know that we took some things out of Voyeur that um, we thought would be just not right for this time, at this time. That maybe if it was last year, or maybe in five years, or whatever. So we are sensitive to, to that. Although satire is like in your face. And it has to go pretty deep for us to go, whoa. But we are sensitive to it, yet we don't want to ever kill satire. Because it could be the death of satire if you worry about absolutely you know, everything and everybody, but I think we are cross, we're doing it right. I mean, our president is still our president and Saturday's voyeur, <laughs> <laughs> he's still alive,
0: <laughs> so, <That's> true. yeah. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> well, wonderful, well, before we wrap up, I have one final question kind of, you know, just seeing where we're at and where we're sitting right now. In 2017, where do you, think that politics in the arts is going to head? Um, What kind of direction are you seeing or feeling or hearing?
1: I feel that artists are going to keep creating art their way. I was proud of Oscar Eustace and standing up to the funders and standing up for his play and what he feels is his duty. I think we are a brave group of individuals that will not be stifled. Um, I do feel in the whole, regardless of, the, of artists, that this whole administration has forced us all to really look within, in our own selves, how do we wake up in the morning, how do we show up, how, where are we, how do we serve, which I think is a very good thing, I think it's opened our eyes. And with opening our eyes in that way, artists will continue to soar, mm-hmm. and they better.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Cynthia, let us know kind of where and how our listeners can check out Saturday's Voyeur.
1: Oh, great. So you could go on our website, which is saltlakeactingcompany.org, or call our box office, 801 um, 363 Slack or 363-7522.
0: And then you guys out there, you've been listening to Salt Lake Speaks, that Salt Lake Magazine's podcast. You can find this episode as well as several others at saltlakemagazine.com podcast. Again, my name is Andrea Peterson, and we've been listening with Cynthia Fleming.